When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Shea Station Podcast. It is episode 107. It is Sunday, October 9th, bright and early, and the Mets season is not over yet. They won last night to force a do-or-die game three, the only game three of the entire wildcard weekend, so all eyes are on Mets Padres tonight. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly, joining me who got back at 1 a.m. last night after doing post-game right in front of City Field is Jerry Blevins. Jerry, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, a little sleepy, but <laughs> I'm excited to, to excited to to get this going. Uh, it's a big win. I can't believe we're the, the Mets are the only game three. I know. It's Very shocking. No drama anywhere else. So leave it to the Mets to be the only dramatic team. <laughs> I mean, I give it up for your Mariners for sure. Making that eight to one comeback. I thought we were getting game three there for sure. The Phillies took care of business as well. And the Guardians played 15 innings of scoreless baseball before Oscar Gonzalez had his moment. Very nice. Yep, that's a lot of people back home in Ohio feeling real good about those guards. Yeah, I mean, the Mets are going to get the full spotlight tonight. Chris Bassett versus Joe Musgrove. And last night. Uh, despite the Phillies game starting an hour after ours, they've managed to finish before us because that was maybe one of the longest Mets games I've seen all year, and it definitely felt like it. It was the longest um, regular, like regular nine-inning postseason game in Mets history. Uh, they lapped us in the seventh too. It wasn't like they just <laughs> at the end. They they passed us in the seventh inning. Yeah, there is a ton to talk about from this game. We won't do a traditional recap and stuff like that, but the offense wakes up. The bullpen looks sharp. Buck Showalter kind of takes some attention for some interesting bullpen management. And Jacob deGrom at times didn't look like he had his best stuff, but still finds a way and looks very reminiscent of that elimination game back in 2015 with a very like similar final line, which a lot of people were posting on Twitter, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think he had one less hit or something. Yeah, yeah something that, like that. that 2015 outing in L.A., it was um, – that was Jake without any stuff. That was yeah. all guts. That was guts, Jake. Like that. Uh, we, got, we got a little bit of both yesterday. We got the first, uh, the first couple of hitters, like the first inning, throwing 102. Uh, he was the untouchable, you know, new age DeGrom that we found, the, the Cy Young winner. Uh, and then once he gave up that home run to Grisham on a really good pitch, uh, he kind of turned to switch. I think he got a little bit scared of his fastball and, and started to be a little bit um, more slider centric. Well, not even a little bit. He started to just basically go slider heavy, yeah. um, came up clutch in some big spots. He, he got Machado in the third with runners in scoring position. In the fifth, he went Machado and uh, Bell, big strikeouts. Uh, gutsy performance. He had 90 pitches after five. 
And he went back out and had the, maybe the most dominant inning since the first and the sixth, nine pitches, cleaned house. Um, I thought he was so good in the sixth, I thought he might come out for the seventh to go to Grom Diaz to close the game. Um, but uh, he, he had a six innings of two-run ball. And again, very encouraging, man. We saw competitive Jake. We saw a glimpse of pure dominance. And, you know, he gave up the lead a couple of times. Like, uh, we didn't have a shutdown inning. Uh, but he he turned it on, man. It was, it was good. I, I, I got very encouraged by what I saw from him. Yeah, I, I don't think the moment was too big. Uh, you know, you never see Jake pop off for really anything, even in, in his World Series start. Um, but he looked really composed. I was definitely alarmed when we had, I think it was the fourth or the fifth inning, where it was slider, 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 a couple changeups here and there. He said his best changeup of the night got rocked by Bell, so he just kind of abandoned that pitch altogether. But the slider was working, and I think he kind of calibrated himself with those fifth inning strikeouts. And the sixth inning might have been his best inning of the entire night. Um, and then a lot of attention went to Buck deploying Edwin Diaz in the seventh inning, which I, I think was probably the right move to try and not get that uh, lineup to turn over for the eighth inning. I think it was kind of always going to be multi innings for Diaz. And then a lot of people were pointing to the Mets jumping out to that seven to two lead, but uh, Buck having Edwin sit for 45 minutes and then go back out there. But he didn't look phased at all because of it. I mean, he walked a guy. He was that sharp, but he didn't. He wasn't that sharp in the seventh either. He was fine. I, I liked him go, going into the seventh because they had eight, nine, one. So Grisham, who hit a home run off Scherzer and DeGrom, um, was up. And then Profar was best who dominated, who had a hit against Jake. And that's when he went like heavy slider there. And he hung one. He should have thrown a fastball there. That was like the only. He talked about it in his postgame interview. He said that was the one, really one he regretted. Um, so, yeah, of course, Diaz, bring him in because you've got 891, those guys that I mentioned. Then you have Dodo, Chato, Bell. So those are the two innings that you want to get. He, he gets through the seventh, you know, pretty quickly. And then the epic seventh inning rally that the Mets offense put together, uh, I think emphasized by the McNeil bases loaded you know, two-run double where he's pointing to the dugout as he's touching, getting to first. Uh, and then he had a long delay. And I didn't agree with bringing him back out. If you can't protect five-run lead with six outs, it's going to be a long postseason for Edwin Diaz because he's going to get worn out. But like you said, he's he's been saved up all month especially uh for this reason and so he said he felt great he tried to talk buck into leaving him in in the eighth um but lugo comes in or not lugo but dia uh, adovino comes in gets a good out and then falls apart the night um uh but i liked it i liked what i saw from from diaz i like buck's idea and concept um i wouldn't have brought him out back for the eighth after that long delay and that bigger lead but um you never want to lose the game in an exciting game like that and think, I wish I would have left Edwin Diaz in more. Right, right. And, and I if think, there's a doubt. Yeah, I think Buck probably just learned his lesson from, from 2016. 
instead of, you know, leaving the guy out there. Let's just use him when we can. Um, I do want to talk about the Mets lineup, though, because this was a this was a 2022 Mets game that we haven't really seen against a good team in a long time. Um, they tortured Blake Snell. Snell, honestly, I think didn't have his best stuff, but is still a good pitcher that can find his way through that kind of outing. But Snell ends up walking six batters in three innings. The Mets must have worked six or seven, 10 pitch at bats across the board. Uh, they tortured Morahone as well for that seventh inning rally. And it was a lot of the first playoff moments for a lot of guys here. McNeil gets that big double that you mentioned. Pete Alonzo looked so much better than game one, a lot less anxious, much more disciplined at bats. I think he got to a full, even in his strikeout. Uh, and I think the fourth inning still worked a three, two count, worked the pitches a lot um, and looked much more comfortable at the plate. And with the Nick Martinez home run, he kind of just found his pitch. It was below the strike zone uh, and just, I think, was ready for it, sitting on it. And Alonzo looked great. Lindor had that first inning home run. Uh, McNeil was 0 for 3 going into that double, but I still think took it at bats. But the big one was Brendan Nimmo. Brendan Nimmo was absolutely ready for the moment. Came up with some huge hits for the Mets uh, on a night where some other guys in the lineup didn't really have their stuff. He was uh, essential. Yeah, I mean, he got it right off the bat with the base hit. He had three hits all the other way. One, a, a big RBI, um, extra bases. He looked good, locked in at the plate. Um, it was a that home run that Lindor hit right off the bat. You know, Jake had that shutdown in big time and the first came in just better than everybody. And then Lindor with a huge home run, smooth swing. Um, it felt good in that first inning, and then Jake gives up the the, the, the home run to Grisham, which was a, a shocker. I think it kind of shocked the system. But offensively, these guys answered. Pete with a huge home run had this um, basically real short to the ball sway, nothing too big. Whereas, like you said, the first night he was trying too hard, and he backed it down. And then McNeil, who's been stinging the ball, you know, hit hit some really good line drives Grisham. Robbed him of a of a hit, uh, stuck to the plan and got a got ahead and made him pay left on left there too with um, Morihone um, stuck with it and he's yeah. very impressed by the whole lineup. It was very good stuff. Yeah, we we talked yesterday about letting the crowd get into it because I think they were taken out of it immediately when uh, Jerks and Profar swung on the first pitch of game one and got a single and then the home run from there and then the Padres just, just kind of piled on. Uh, DeGrom dominated in the first. The crowd was alive. Uh, Nimmo got on. It resulted in that double play, but Lindor's home run, I think, permanently electrified that crowd and they were loud last night. Um, and I do think even though Marte himself didn't have a good game. Marte back in the two hole, I think restructured the lineup in a great way. I think Lindor back in the three McNeil towards the middle of the lineup and those runners in scoring position situations. This lineup looked a lot more like the Mets that we were used to. And Marte himself, we should talk about did not have a great game over five with eight men left on base in his at bats. But I just think that him in the two hole solidifies this Mets lineup a little bit more. It was right. It was really nice to see the shuffle to yeah. to move McNeil down, uh, move Canna back. Um, Canna protected. Uh, he hasn't had a great, you know, couple of weeks stretch, but he worked like a ten pitch 
at bat right after uh, Pete did. But uh, I'm I'm not sure Marte's healthy, man. Yeah. Enough because he hit a couple of balls and and they just kind of died. I don't. He's got that strength in that finger to really grip the bat, but. We'll see, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the Mets win tonight, and he can get he can get maybe a day off here or there. But uh, he's he's pushing it, and it helps. He's so such an integral part of the team right now, especially to be able to shuffle that lineup. Um, you can see it. You can see it affected him. Jake made a great play. Uh, uh, Marte threw the ball, and he's never. I don't think he's ever thrown a ball like that. He launched it. And Jake was late, late picking up the bases, but he, you know, is such a good athlete. He makes a barehanded play. Um, but, you know, Marte's a dynamic player, so I hope he's healthy enough to stay in the lineup. I, I think it's really important for the Mets. Yeah, I mean, uh, he sailed that throw from right field. As soon as he threw it, I could see how high it was, and I was like, this is going to be bad news. I hope it just doesn't Uh-oh. go into the stands. I was like, ooh. Um yeah, and I mean, this could have easily been a two-for-five game for Marte if you don't have a solid glove over there and Machado kind of snaking up those uh, ground balls to third. Um, one guy we should talk about was a guy that I think both of us were not expecting to see in the lineup last night, but kind of kind of got the job done. I mean, his first at-bat was a three-pitch strikeout and the groans and boos ensued, but Darren Ruff worked a walk, worked a hit-by-pitch, Terrence score pinch ran. I think that's as much as you can ask for uh, from Darren Ruff, considering what you've gotten so far. I mean, that's definitely a positive. People were pumped in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> he got hit by a pitch because, like, uh, we're in the truck outside of City Field, and it's, like, eh, probably 15-second delay. Yeah. So we can hear, like, the crowd go bananas. We're like, did Ruff hit home run? And then we're waiting no, he for gets the action. On the he, gets hit. he gets hit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it was uh, therapeutic, maybe, for the Mets to be able to cheer for Ruff there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he, he looked a little bit better. It was probably nice for him to hear some some cheers. Um, but the Mets as a whole. That, that offense. This is the style of baseball we've been looking for. Really good starting pitching. Bullpen comes in and in, in the clutch situation. Good defense, solid running, and grinding at bats. Getting yep. to Blake Snell. Blake Snell's a great pitcher, and that's how you play Mets baseball to grind down a pitcher like that. They made him throw a ton of pitches. Um, made him come to them in the strike zone and they did a great job man very very impressed it was a yeah. really good brand of Mets baseball that they played they also the pitching deserves some credit for stabilizing this middle of the order because Juan Soto came out hit the ball hard I think every at bat except for his one lone strikeout but Machado goes over four three K's leaves four on base Bell goes one for four five left on base although he rocked a couple foul balls as well the big one for me was Cronenworth, Drury, and Kim were non-factors. Combined, they go 0 for 12 with five strikeouts, and they leave five on base. Um, and that's a big credit to uh, the Mets in their bullpen as well. Adovino, before that shaky ninth inning, uh, put Drury aside with ease, uh, but then he does hit a batter, walk three, a run comes home, and Seth Lugo, you know, I think was probably ready for that moment. He said it was like, that's the little kid stuff you dream of. Bases loaded, tying run at the plate against Josh Bell. And uh, he was ready for the moment. I mean, Lugo is our lefty reliever, I guess. He was used in the big spot there. Uh, it does raise a question, though, because Lugo did, I think, only throw four pitches, but he did pitch game one as well. Um, how available do you think Seth Lugo is for tonight? 
no no question that he's available. Yeah. Same with Diaz. Uh Avino probably nine through thirty pitches. He's yeah. probably down today. Um, but yeah, that was a huge spot. And Josh Bell struggles against the curveball whenever I faced him. Obviously he's a switch hitter, but I literally just threw curveballs in the zone because he could not get to him. And that was the game plan. Lugo threw three curveballs and mixed in a, a 97, you know, setup pitch uh, clutch. That as soon as that first curveball dropped in, I go, uh oh, he's locked in. Yeah. So uh, he'll be available today. Everybody in the bullpen, but out of, you know, uh, even out of, you know, in an emergency um, would be available. But yeah, he had that huge out. Out of, you know, had that huge out. And then, man, that last walk was horrible. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, I mean, you know, I think he had him one Machado. Two. He had him one, two, um, but that three, two pitch, he could have and Machado crushes sliders. He wanted yeah. to get him to chase. Machado was mad with, that he got walked too. He wanted to pitch well, the I, hit. I bet because yeah. the, you can't walk him there because he's, if he hits a home run, you're still up one. Right. And now you bring the tying run to the plate. It's, it was a pretty, pretty bad strategic move. Um, well, the Mets right can there. they can never make it easy, man. That's kind of the whole staple of the franchise, especially I, that bullpen. Yeah, especially that bullpen. By the way, Josh Bell 0 for four with a strikeout against Jerry Blevins. So there you go. You're right. Easy stuff. Flipping curveballs. No big deal. So yeah, the big boppers. Our MVPs hit home runs. Brandon Nemo has a great game. Ruff gets on twice. Diaz does his thing. Came back out after 45 minutes. Struck out a batter. Uh, and Jacob DeGrom gets the job done. The Mets get a huge win in game two, kind of a, a dominant win up until the, that last uh, little scare at the end there. And they do force game three, the only wildcard series to go to game three. We are going to give you the probables, the batter pitcher matchups, all that. But first, I got to tell you guys about our friends over at True Classic who are hanging out with us during this playoff run, which I absolutely love. Uh, they make t-shirts that actually fit guys. And you guys know this by now because you're listening every day. You're in tune with Chase Station, uh, whether you're jacked or, you know, a little bit on the chubby side. No, nothing wrong with that. Finding the right t-shirt can be incredibly frustrating, but true classic is coming in with some help and they've got a code code Shay. ever heard of it? 25% off at trueclassic.com. Uh, true classic is made with every man in mind. You get that quality Lux fit. Ooh, I like that. And the softness you've always wanted but never received from those sandpaper excuses for t-shirts. I love this ad read. These things are so soft you'll actually want to wear them, not just have to wear them. Uh, so it's for men for all body sizes. They have plenty of sizes to choose from as well, plenty of colors, and they're the most comfortable t-shirts you can possibly find. Uh, long body, triple XL sizing, whatever you need, True Classic probably has it ready for you. So it's about time you get your fit together. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic at 25% off at trueclassic.com with code SHEA. Free shipping including on free shipping included on purchases over $100. So 25% off. Get yourself some free shipping too with that big bulk order and use code SHEA. Thank you to True Classic for helping us out. And tonight, I think Chris Bassett needs to be comfortable in his True Classic t-shirt as well because he's got the biggest game of his career coming up. That's very true. Um this is a big one. Uh I expect him to be better uh you you put a note in here following a five plus earned runs um that chris bassett is uh, following five plus earned runs chris bassett is three and oh in four games with 26 innings pitched and only one earned run given up spreading 10 hits 
over 26 innings. That's a very impressive comeback because he's able to make adjustments. He had that rough first start in San Diego. That was like the the culmination uh, of all of his bad starts in a row. That was one where he said, I have no idea what's going on. Um, and then he bounced back and was great and consistent. And then he had the rough one in Atlanta. And he said he learned from it. He said he was trying too hard to do to step up. Sometimes you you got to take a step back and remember who you are, what you do as a pitcher, and just do your thing versus trying trying to be bigger than the moment. Just be big in that moment. Don't don't try to to, to be too much. And so I think he, he a lot of guys learn from that Atlanta series, and I think Bassett's one of them. Um, so I expect him to go out there and be crispy. Um, but I also do expect a quick hook. You know, if things get, obviously this is it, do or die. If things get a little bit shaky um, with Joely Rodriguez coming off uh, the roster because of his shoulder, who's going to also miss the CS if the Mets or the DS, if the Mets get there, um, you have Taiwan Walker right there. So I expect if Chris Bassett gets into trouble early, they'll go to a bullpen guy and then let Taiwan Walker come in. If it's, if it's really early in the game, um, they have open communication. That was the one thing Diaz talked about. Buck came up to him before the game yesterday and was like, hey, we're going to use you early. If need be, you're going to hit that part of the lineup, you know, at whatever state or whatever spot in the in the game that is, and you're going to be our guy. So he was prepared. They're very good at communicating. Um, so if it's going to be Taiwan quickly after Bassett, uh, he'll be ready, man, and he should be because they'll, they'll let him know. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, Bassett's numbers against the Padres on the season aren't great, but I think it is skewed by that one start that you mentioned before. Kind of the low point of Bassett's season, really, that and the the Giants start in that crazy 13-12 game. Uh, he's 10 in the third innings, 9 earned runs, 17 strikeouts, 2 walks, but an 0-2 record. Um, but his second start against them in July, he went seven innings, two and in runs, 11 strikeouts. He did lose that game because I believe Darvish was on the bump on the other side. Um, but Bassett in September was kind of, you know, on and off a little bit, uh, facing some mediocre teams. And then the Braves at the end, uh, 33 and a third innings, 378 ERA. Um, but I do like the uh, I, I had to dig up that stat because uh, one of our listeners, Daniel Sepulveris, pointed out that Bassett is really, really good after kind of a bad start. And I was like, I wonder if there's any metrics to that. And it turns out there is every single time Bassett gets roughed up. Uh, he comes back the next time and really, really does well. And I think he's been thinking about that Padre start for a while because they hit him. They hit him around hard and uh, he he responded really well his next start. Um, but I do think we might get some Taiwan Walker tonight. I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with letting Bassett face the order once and then Taiwan face the order once because their numbers are a lot better uh, compared to facing the order a second and even a third time. And you have a, a, rel- a relatively rested bullpen here. I mean, Drew Smith hasn't gone yet. Uh, Adovino's probably out, but Diaz is available. Lugo is available. You have weapons there. Uh, Trevor whereas, May pitched just the first game. Right, and Trevor May yeah. looked really good in the first game, too. Sure did. Uh, and the Padres kind of exhausted some of their weapons yesterday. Uh, I mean, Nick Martinez is unavailable. He's been one of their best relievers. 
Morahone, who had been a really good lefty for them, looked lost. I think he's probably out for tonight. And Steven Wilson was a guy I highlighted in our preview, and they kind of used him in a little bit of a meaningless inning at the end there. So I wonder if he's available as well. Uh, but the one guy they haven't touched yet is Josh Hader, and I guarantee you, regardless of the score, he will make an appearance tonight. He'll he'll be in this game. This is going to be a tough pitching matchup, man. Musgrove is is the real deal. He uh, he's very capable. Throws a lot of four seams. He basically throws four pitches. He has six, but he throws four. It's it's a fastball 25% of the time. It's a slider, a hard, heavy slider at 20%. Then he throws a cutter 20% and um, a bigger curveball at 20%. So you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of different style pitches, a lot of breaking balls. Um, he's a he's a competitor. So this should this will be fun. Yeah, I mean Musgrove. Uh had a chance to help the Padres sweep the Mets back in July. Uh, but Pete Alonso got to him with a big three run Homer that kind of reawoke the Mets offense. Uh, but Musgrove has been solid this year as he did have a bad start against the Mets that night, but his final four starts of uh, September in 2022, 22 innings, one earned run, 27 strikeouts, three, no decisions along the way. And that's because the Padres offense, not really scoring for him. So maybe he's got a little bit of a DeGrom itis there, but. In the playoffs in his career, he has one run uh, in his life, and that's in 2017 with the Astros. Uh, six and two-thirds innings, six earned runs, and three home runs allowed, mostly as a reliever back then. So it's a very I different he was, I forgot he was with Houston. Yeah, man. He got bounced around a little bit, which is surprising because he's a great pitcher. Yeah, and he turned, uh, it, turned his career solid. He figured it out. Yeah, and he's the definitely the third head of the Padres' three-headed monster uh, all of them to be not taken lightly because they're all great pitchers. Uh, but the Mets do do have a, a solid record on Musgrove. It's a little bit of narrative for him, too. He's a San Diego kid, giving them the chance to win their first real playoff series in a long time. And Chris Bassett, you know, this is kind of really, and unless you want to count 2020, this is really his first playoff start with like a huge crowd and that kind of atmosphere. Yep, this is big for Bassett going into his, you know, free agent year. Um my biggest question mark coming in is Marte. Is he going to be okay? I was worried, as we've talked about last pod, is if, you know, after those foul balls, those base hits at his finger, the next day was going to be kind of, you know, banged up and hurting, you know, probably achy. Uh, he hit some balls hard yesterday, and this is three days in a row after such, you know, over a month of missing baseball. Um, is he going to be available to just be in that uh, second spot in the lineup? And is he going to be effective? So he, to me, he's, he's the question mark. Yeah, I think uh, I'm hoping that, you know, he's okay, but I also think he's going to leave it all out there. And maybe that means he missed the beginning of the DS if the Mets make it, but it's adamantly clear they need him in there. Um, when he wasn't throwing the ball, he looks solid in right field, still great running the bases. It's just that finger, obviously. Um, I'm very interested to see what the Mets lineup looks like tonight, uh, specifically uh, the backstop as well, because I, I do think there there is a question here of Nito or McCann. Uh, Nito did get a hit last night, but didn't come up with a big uh, sacrifice bunt when the Mets needed him to. Um, he's taken some good at-bats, drove the ball against Darvish to the warning track, but uh, I usually don't do this, but Bassett's ERA with Nito 4.08 is a full run higher than his ERA with James McCann behind the plate at 3.08. And McCann hasn't gotten a look yet, so I'm curious to see who the Mets decide on going with uh, the backstop. Yep, it's like 
Houston. Uh, I am a Nito guy. Uh, Nito's got to be, for me, it's even a question. Um, but I, I get it. I mean, there's an argument to be made. A full run is a big deal. Um, but Nito, apart from, you know, that was that's not an easy guy to butt off of. Fastballs that are up here, those are, you just want to make sure you don't pop it up. Uh, very uncomfortable. Um, and then the the one big question mark for me was that the, the, he swung, swung at first pitch with Terrence Gore, just pinch running. Let the guy steal, take a couple pitches, and then you can bunt him over or, you know, hit him, hit him in to, to third. And then he swung a first pitch and got him doubled up immediately. So Terrence Gore's appearance is very short-lived. Yeah, and I thought the deployment of Gore there was great. I mean, Ruff was not going to run the base as well. I think you take two on bases from Ruff and you say, see a great, great game tonight. Uh, and try and get an insurance run there. So I don't know really what, uh, if it was like lack of communication or Nito just kind of jumping the gun there, but I'm sure the Mets will probably learn from that and use him a little bit better tonight. Um, as for Padres hitters against Bassett, there's not a lot of large sample sizes to go around. Some decent numbers here. I mean, the big one who is the big scary of this entire series Josh Bell once again has great numbers against the starting pitching going tonight. Uh, two for five with two home runs and a walk, which is a little bit scary. Uh, but for the most part, Bassett has good numbers against the other guys. Uh, Machado's three for 12, does have a double and a home run. Cronenworth, who's been largely a non factor in this series, two for six with a double. He's been very, very quiet uh, in the five hole. And they, I believe they'll probably use him there again because that's kind of been his spot, which could work out for the Mets. Uh, Profar has been killing us two for five with a walk against Bassett. And then Juan Soto, the big bad two for three with a walk against Bassett as well. It's going to be the top of the lineup. That's going to be the scary again, for sure. Yep. Um, I don't think he'll face him a third time, uh, regardless of how he's throwing, unless yeah. they've, they've got a big lead. Uh, I think we'll see, you know, the bullpen come in that third time through the lineup. You know, we talk about maybe the second time, but definitely the third time. Yeah, for um, sure to shorten this game up, but yeah, we're going to see hopefully big game Bassett shows up. I hope so, man. That's what I want to say. And I mean, it would be really comforting uh, knowing that at least one of our starting pitchers could come out and shove, you know, DeGrom had a great outing, but it was clear he didn't have his best, best stuff. And, you know, this is a team that's going to rely on their starting pitching if they're going to go on a run. So you kind of need some of these guys to start clicking and hopefully Bassett, hopefully the lights aren't too bright. Because, you know, this is going to be, it's going to be an interesting environment for Bassett. One that he's probably not used to. Yeah, I mean, I, it was Atlanta. Atlanta gave everybody a preview, guys yeah. that hadn't been in that. And that was hostile. This is going to be welcoming for the most part. Unless you don't perform, Yeah, then it's going to be the opposite. But, um, you know, he talked, to, he, he made some interesting quotes about uh, playing in New York, how it's a gauntlet how it is different and it is it's it's different it's 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 a very what have you done for me lately kind of town and understandably these guys want to see you perform especially in a clutch game and i think he he learned he's learned he he's been through it atlanta was bad for everybody but it was a big piece of experience yes i i expect him to come out and, and be sharp and get through this lineup maybe twice and and pass the baton yeah i mean you know we could go back and circle that atlanta series a couple weeks from now and you know detail how important it was and hopefully they're able to get a little bit deeper here after tonight um 
big sample size against Musgrove as well for the Mets, uh, specifically Francisco Lindor. I think probably from Cleveland and Houston matchups, I was a little shocked to see 17 at-bats against him. Uh, Lindor, six for 17, two doubles, two home runs, a walk, but eight punch-outs. So it's kind of feast or famine there. Uh, Marte, who's a bit of a question mark, is three for nine. Alonso's three for eight with that big home run he hit in July. Eddie Escobar also has a home run. He's two for eight. And Vogelback was the one I wanted to highlight uh, on the negative side because he will be starting tonight, you know, lefty versus righty. Vogelback is one for nine, two walks and five strikeouts against Musgrove. And he is he's a little bit of an X factor because he's going to be in the middle of that lineup for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. One for nine. That's not great numbers um, for the DH, but uh, everybody makes adjustments. And he came up with a huge sack fly uh, last night. Um, another short swing style. Yep. Little little choke and poke. Um he's kind of the X Factor right now because he's been he hasn't had any success, but he's he's he might slide in behind I don't know where what the what the lineup's gonna be. Yeah, the lineups could be interesting tonight now now that McNeil's kind of back towards the middle of it and you know, Marte I'm assuming will probably play. So the one through four seems easy, but everything else after that is kind of up in the air a little bit. I can see the justification of McNeil right behind Pete. I can. Um, moving Escobar down. I don't know, man. Uh, it's It'll be interesting. He's the, the good thing is these guys have looked pretty solid at the plate yesterday. Yeah. Everybody looked calm and letting the action come to them and, and doing good stuff. So, Yeah, I would love to see McNeil in the five, maybe Escobar right after him, put the switch option there so you can get two lefties in a row after Pete against Musgrove that would be nice maybe Vogie seventh so you get three lefties in a row at one point can I think could use a little bit of a bump down the order I think the five hole the five hole was kind of a little big of a spot for him last night he worked some really good at bats but we're not really seeing him drive the ball like he was doing you know in late August and early September but I think having him at the eight hole down there with if it's McCann or Nito could really provide some length to the lineup but as long as that one through four is static and solid, I think the Mets have a really good chance. Yeah, I think that's that's clear. The top of the order, you know, plus McNeil, wherever the case may be that they they put those guys. Hopefully, again, Marte's finger feels good enough to to hold a bat again. Um, yeah, this is going to be exciting. You know, you you got your guys lined up. You've got your Pete looked great. Lindor looked great. Um, this is exciting. This is a, a winner take all you know, lose and go home kind of game. This is fun stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is what we kind of, we waited the whole season for this. So, I mean, it's obviously scary in the moment, but I mean, I think these Mets are ready for the moment. Uh, and, you know, it's not going to get any easier after this if you win. So buckle up, but remember to enjoy it tonight. Cause it could be the last game of the season, or it could be the beginning of an even longer run. And uh, I'm incredibly nervous for it. Yeah, this is the fun part. This is also the anxiety-ridden part, the lead-up. Um, but this is this is good. This is what you wanted to be. You're going to be in these games that that you can, you know, you can feel that that high leverage of, uh, you know, what's going to happen with the season. This is it. Is this it? Is this all of 2021? But uh, we're the only slate. We're the only game on the slate. This is uh, all the drama headed to the Mets. So I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're at the stadium tonight, make sure you uh, take a picture of the back of Jerry's head, like 80 people have already done and tagged <laughs> us in. We really appreciate it. Keep keep continuing to do it. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a definitely a mixed emotions feeling, but I'm glad that we're getting this game three and not recapping the season just yet. Deep breaths, Mets fans. Deep breaths. All right, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. We'll see you guys tomorrow for hopefully a good recap, not a bad one. <laughs>